Hello and welcome again to Sounds About White. I am Maria. And And I am Taylor Swift. (laughs) I'm also known more commonly as Emma. What did I name myself? Ellen Elfin. But this week I will be Taylor Swift. And I think it ties into a lot of what we want to discuss this week. So hopefully it makes Maria happy. (laughs) Or triggered. We'll see. Uh, Hopefully I don't get too angry. And if I do, I apologize. Um, There is a 100% chance that Maria is going to get pretty upset because she sent me a text. She sent the group chat a text. What was it, Saturday night? Like, what are you doing on Christmas getting upset about Taylor Swift? And she's like upset about Taylor Swift from shit that happened like 15 years ago. I just don't understand why people are defending her. And it's like, ma'am, we don't let this go. And she was like, "Are you gonna? Can you be Taylor Swift this week?" And I said, "Sure, I will be Taylor Swift." But I don't understand what, what did she do something recently? No, <laughs> but I just didn't like how that whole thing went down. Well, okay, I should also okay. The reason, the original reason, I felt triggered. Tell us, Maria. She, she's got a ten-minute song. Have Does you heard about this? It's oh. a music video. Wait a minute! Isn't that that song that I posted the lyrics to? Because so no, because so she does, and in the song yeah. she says the words "fuck the patriarchy," and I laughed at it because you know I have a f the patriarchy tattoo, and I was like, oh my god, like every time I'm just minding my business, being myself, and all of a sudden someone comes in and is like, that's some white woman shit, and this is why I identify as a white woman of color because like, damn, damn, I couldn't even have this. And then Taylor yeah. Swift came in like white woman eyes, fuck the patriarchy. And it's like, damn girl. Yeah, she does have a 10 minute song. And actually I'm really embarrassed. And it really re- kind of reinforces my white woman of colorness because I have listened to it multiple times. <laughs> I have. All right. I have. Yes. So, <laughs> and I, the first time I heard it was on Christmas day. Um, and watched the music video as well. Um, and the fuck the patriarchy thing is like, there's a keychain that said, fuck the patriarchy that got dropped or something. And there's a song about her. She's 21 and she was dating Jake Dillenthal at the time. He was 30, I guess. And, um, just like, I guess has the history of dating like younger women. Um, but yeah, the music video just, it was 10 minutes. And I was like, this is nonsense. Why is she making so much money off of this? And then my lovely white cis gay brother-in-laws, along with a white cis straight brother, were just explaining that like she had been taken advantage of by the music industry. So it's just like her reclaiming her songs and herself. And saying "fuck the patriarchy" and like is that why she says that? Um, you know, she does also have that song "If I Were a Man." She does. She does. You know, um, again, I told you, separate the woman from the music. I may have. I I, I think I've listened to every single one of Taylor's songs. Uh, I guess I have it. And yes, she does. She does. Um, and it's all about like, and you know, like, it's it's a bop, but like. It did cross my mind when I listened to it. I was like, this is some definite white woman shit because it completely negates the fact that like she's all, if I were a man, I'd have all these things. But like, 
you know, obviously there's, there's levels to this shit. So like as a white woman, if she were a man, things would be different, but you know, what does it look like for a black woman or just so many other, obviously, as we discussed in the past, I think levels to privilege. Yeah. So like, as far as her hierarchy goes, like, yeah, girl, you'd have all these things, but like, I mean, I'm having some hard time empathizing with you on this one, Taylor, (laughs) but you know, it is bop. It's catchy. I need to listen to it because I've only heard Beyonce has one about. Oh, wait. Is that what it's called? Hang there. on. Let me figure out what it's called. Okay. I was going to say, and is it Rihanna that has the other one? If I were a boy. Mm-hmm. Hang on. It's off her Lover album. Okay. Which is the recent one or? Lover is from Older. 2019. Okay. Um, no, I don't want to play this song. Hang on. <laughs> View. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Okay. What is a song called? Oh, it's called The Man. The Man. Okay. All right. I have. So for full disclosure, I have not. Yeah. I, I do have a grudge against Taylor since <laughs> the 2009 VMAs in which. Kanye interrupted. And I recently read an article that said Beyonce was actually upset too and crying backstage and was like, that's not really fair. I remember how it was like when I was younger and like getting some attention. But I did agree with what Kanye's point was around like Beyonce should have won. But then my white cis gay brothers who as Taylor Swift pointed out, aka Emma Nelson, aka Sandra Bullock, that is that me? Is that that's me? You, I'm sorry. <laughs> that um, she has done some. She has loved on the gay community, um, so I have to keep that in mind when I'm like talking about these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also haven't watched. I think, that- and I think I I pointed. I actually said I did say that to you because I was like, yeah. you know, she did have some lyrics in um, "You Need to Calm Down" and in "Welcome to New York." And honestly, if I had more time, I could probably give you a bunch more songs. Um, so now everyone's gonna know on this podcast how much of a secret Taylor Swift fan that I am. <laughs> We're actually called the Swifties. I asked someone the other day, I said, "What are Taylor Swift fans called?" And it's Swifties because I was talking about my friend who is a ponytail, and I am a Swiftie. Um, yeah. So yes, as I did, you know, she has, um, I mean, again, I'm not knocking her for what she's done and for what she's been through and how she's been taken advantage of. I think we could argue that everyone in the music industry or most of the music artists in the industry have been taken advantage of to a degree and Mm -hmm. have worked very hard to get where they are. I think it just, you know, as we understand, there are levels to the shit and levels to the stuff that comes against these people. And so, you know, you look at it and, it, you know, not to minimize what they've been through because everyone's paying this maximum to them. But it, and it's like, I'm glad that you're getting what you're getting. You know, you you deserve what you're what you've come across. But also, how can we set open a door for other women, particularly women who do not have access to the same level of privilege as you? How can we yeah. set the stage for so that you haven't just helped yourself, but you can help other people? And you know what? I just want to, you know, be, um, do highlight that, you know, sometimes we talk about things like black people's shows or, or things that are good for people of color, specifically black people. When we talk about, well, it's a really great show for black people, but there aren't a lot of dark skinned women characters. 
And, you know, it's it's always important or, you know, it's a really good short show for black people like Insecure or, God, what was it? Black Panther. And we had to have Gina Rodriguez come in and be like, well, where are the Hispanics? You know, and you're just like, you know, can we just have one thing? And I think that's kind of the argument that black people always use. It's like, can we just can we just have this? Does one thing have to be everything for everybody? Or can it be great? We can recognize that there are limitations. You know, we need to do better moving forward. But can we also just celebrate this win? And I don't want that to be applied to Taylor Swift. Yeah, um, yeah. No, we, we actually can't celebrate, just celebrate this win because as a white woman, she has access to so much additional privilege. And so, yes, we, I want to celebrate her for what she's done and what she, what she has accomplished and, and all the things that she's been against. But you know what, bitch, it's also your job to do your part. Um, stop looking, you know, again, looking back, you know, stop looking towards black people and black women in particular to do the work and to say, okay, black women, you've organized this. Well, what about these people? What about these? We always look to black women. Let's look at Taylor and ask her what she's going to do for other people. Yeah. And I, I mean, as you said in your text, like there are more problematic white women than Taylor Swift. Um, I'm thinking of Miley Cyrus uh, when she like had her shift from like being Hannah Montana And then she like absorbed a lot of like quote unquote black aesthetics or like tried to do some things and then like has scurried on to be like, I don't also follow, I don't follow their careers. So I don't want the like Miley fans or Taylor Swift fans because they probably know more than me. So I probably need to do more learning myself. But okay. So Miley Cyrus has been problematic, right? Um, Mm -hmm. J-Bell, was it J-Bell Ween? Jay Balvin. Uh, there's oh, wait, like a was that you who's talking about him? Oh no, yeah. something cool about him. Yes, he like re, it's a, he's a white Latino um, from Colombia, and he recently got like today he posted I think or yesterday um, that he got a like Afro Latino award, and just the ridiculousness of like he's literally a white man, um, but he's from Latin America and like has taken on these aesthetics and um, is, you know, is taking, get gets the attention, right? That like many black reggaeton artists actually deserve. Um, so she, yeah. So Taylor Swift is like, there, there are people that are more problematic. She stays in her lane in terms of being a white woman. Right. Um, but I just like, yeah, I think the empathy or sympathy piece, like the 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 damsel in distress, the like. I think she has bet she has privilege in being seen as someone who can be vulnerable and taken advantage of in a way that like black women in the music industry aren't given that same level of like vulnerability, or I don't know. Um. Yeah. So Taylor and uh, her and Brené Brown, I I ha- I hold a grudge because I feel like like Taylor Swift has like not get gotten political until fairly recently. And yes, she was younger, but like I think I I hold I guess I hold celebrities to like a high standard. And Brené Brown too, who I know is a separate white woman that like people love and she has built relationships with black folks in recent years but there was a time when I needed her to be like more of an anti-racist white woman and she 
was Look, more like- I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, we do have the problem with, uh, I think, you know, like the white nationalists and the KKK and all the little, you know, White Lives Matter crew was using Taylor Swift as their icon. You know, she's white, blue eyed, blonde hair girl. And they were using her music. And it was like, hey, Taylor, are you going to say anything? And she was like, y'all hear something? And they're like, Taylor, they're, they're using your music to promote white nationalism. And Taylor was like, radio static. And so for a very long time, Taylor was, you know, doing what Taylor does and just being quiet. But I will say that finally, I don't even know when it was. It might have been after, um, you know, when white people decided to get woke. I think it was, what, May 2020 when they were all sitting inside and couldn't avoid racism any longer because they were all quarantined. (laughs) And it was just basically slapped in their face again and again and again. And she was like, hey, guys, black lives are okay." And I don't want to say that she said Black Lives Matter because I actually don't remember what she said. But I think she did stand up and she was like, I might think that like you guys are doing some things that are not acceptable and you should absolutely vote responsibly. She kind of like towed the line of being like, I am going to be a purposeful white woman. Actually, you know what? She may have actually said some purposeful white woman things. I remember I had to look at her Twitter and I was like, did Taylor get hacked? Did she? <laughs> is this woman yeah. and I was like so guys I can uh I can stop pretending I don't listen to her music anymore because she definitely came out and was like guys I am actively anti-racist or her publicist took over her Twitter yeah. account one one of the it she they did something that basically said so I can we all know she's probably still racist it's fine but I can still listen to her music openly now though right um she, yeah. but she was very radio silent for a very long time yeah. And she, I think Donald Trump also like, um, I don't know if it was like his, you know, when he was running the first time or like at what point, but I feel like she got more political, um, like in, in response to like just the really overt racist nonsense of, um, the Republican party in recent years or just all the years, but like, I guess more specifically Donald Trump's era. Yeah, but I just, yeah, I think for me, the like vulnerable, I don't know, like white, like white feminism, like, you know, I mean, there's just so much to be said about white feminism. Yeah, don't they all talk about old girl who they're all like, she gave us voting rights. And it was like, hold on. She gave white women voting rights. Yeah. Um, and everyone's always like, she's so, what is it? Susan B. Anthony? Yeah. One of them. One of them she's just amazing. And it's like, actually, she basically said, we gonna get voting rights and I don't give a fuck about you black bitches. I don't know who gonna <laughs> let y'all, y'all. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I forgot my I forgot that no well I can't, you can't say black bitches as a white woman. So. Oh you can't. Yes, you're right. You're right. Why came out came out of character a little bit there. Um, <laughs> black side popped out. <laughs> I come back in. Um, but yes, uh so Susan B. Anthony, I mean, just white feminism is a lot about which I mean I remember like a couple of years ago, like there was a shift towards being like, I'm a womanist, not a feminist, I'm tired of white feminism. I mean, there whatever word it is that you use. I I always ask my brother when you know when he was have a new girlfriend. I'd be like, is she an intersectional feminist? <laughs> uh, does she believe that women are women? Yeah. All women are women, yeah. uh, not just 
you know, she's not a turf like JK Rowling over there. Like, yeah, just you know, these, these are the questions that I ask. Like, I don't want you to just be like, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I believe all, yes, all women. Like, I want you to also recognize that there are levels to this shit of women and that some women don't have what other women have. Yeah. And I want you to also actively advocate instead of just putting on your pussy hat and going to go a little march in a rally. It yes. is your job to also call your family and friends on some things. Yeah. Don't sit around and don't try to commiserate with me or <clears throat> with my past self and other black women or women of color about, yeah, oh my God, sexism, am I right? Um, without acknowledging basically your hand in it and the levels to it and also the racism or you know transphobia, homophobia that other groups and levels of women have to deal with. You know, Yes, being a white woman, I know you're you know, you're a woman and sexism, blah blah blah, but also levels. Yeah. So take that into consideration. And a lot of times you get the white feminism and the people who are sitting in the pussy hats, and it's like, girl, you may not have voted for Trump, but you had friends who did and you didn't call them on their shit. Yeah. And you yeah. basically said you're one of the people who says, Well, we can have the difference of opinions and it's okay. And no, it's not. It's yeah. not. Um, you do not get to pick your family, so I'm not going to hold you accountable for cutting off family. Um, I, I think there's, you know, I saw a bunch of people saying just because someone's blood doesn't mean blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to hold you accountable for cutting off family. That's a, you got a lot of ties in there. But like you didn't you didn't have to stay friends with your friends who cut yeah. who voted for Trump. And I don't know why you did. Yeah, um, I, I can't separate the fact that you um, voted for Trump from who you are as an individual. You thought that that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, and you should feel ashamed of yourself. And also people who were like, well, they voted for him in 2016, but not in 2020. You should still be ashamed for doing it in 2016 too. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't that different of a person. Uh, and, it, and it pissed me off so bad. Like, you know, the, uh, during the Obama era, era, um, you know, I, I, Obviously, I know that there are lots of different thoughts on the Obama administration, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, he was a black man. Mm-hmm. And so during the Obama administration, during the Obama era, you know, all the, the I mean, obviously, Trump has a very long history of racism and doing racist ass shit that you can pull up. But I'll never forget him being like, mm, let me see that birth certificate. And it was like, yeah. you know, that shit is racist. Yeah. You know, it's racist. Yeah. And you have so, and you, if you say it loud enough, people believe it. Mm-hmm. And now, like, there's like a whole train of birthers because of this man. Yeah, and it's like, and again, so I think it's important. I know, like, a lot of people will say, like, "Well, I remember he was this and that and the third. I was a dumbass. All right, I was a dumbass. I know the folks going on in the world, but I remember my first time voting, and I remember that, and I remember recognizing it immediately as racism, mm-hmm. and the fact that everyone didn't recognize it for what it was, and that he could come back eight years later in 2016 and run for president. And then win really just highlights um, not only the racism problem in the country that everyone always knew that existed, but has kind of been swept under the rug. Like, I don't know, honestly, it looks like kind of like an elephant underneath that little magic carpet at this point, because racism is such a obviously big problem being swept under the rug. Yeah. Um, But it was just like, it's an issue. And because y'all aren't saying shit. Y'all are just being like, it's a diff. That's my opinion, and that or that's their opinion. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah, and their opinion costs lives. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, the because we were in college during was it two thousand and well, I was it says nine, ten, eleven. Like 
the Obama administration, I feel like there was the the whole kind of colorblind racism discussion and notion of like, okay, America has not changed. The United States has not changed. Like racism has not gone away because we have a black president. Oh like, my all God, that, that was the worst. It was like, oh my God, now anyone can be president. No. Yeah, and I think, and I think for the most part, any black person saw that and was like, "Ah, fuck, white people about lose their mind." Yeah, and white people did did not disappoint in that. Yes. They absolutely did lose their yeah. mind. Yeah, I remember being at. I'm gonna put them their asses on blast. I remember being at SLU, <clears throat> St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri, and <laughs> after the elections in 2008, and um some white man yelled out, you know, obviously white people were upset. So some white man yelled, you know, this is back when I identified as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Can I say it as a white woman? Whatever. Some white person called me a nigger. And so we called our, um, you know, campus security. Actually, no, I texted my brother about it and he called the campus security. He's like, what the fuck? Absolutely not. So he called and they showed up and the white man was like, I said, Ralph Nader. And then they turned I think they were called DPSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSS
Mm-hmm. But I think it shielded me from a, it was diverse enough and not just like diverse in that it had different groups of people, but also integrated enough. And I want to say it was voted like one of like the top diverse and integrated suburbs of Chicago. So it's a pretty like, is I mean, like it's, it's a pretty decent community when it comes mm-hmm. to at least between whites and blacks coming together. Obviously yeah. there are different levels of diversity, but from that aspect. Mm-hmm. So I didn't grow up with a lot of the, probably a lot of covert racism mm-hmm. and maybe like people touching hair, but not the same levels that people did in other cities will report. So mm-hmm. going to SLU was so different for me because, you know, you mentioned that you were from this, the suburbs of Chicago and that you went to a public school and people look at you like, oh my God, you broke bitch. You're from the ghetto. And I mean, whether or not I am from the ghetto is neither here nor there and does not yeah. reflect my abilities, my intelligence level, or my ability to perform. Mm-hmm. However, that stereotype of that yeah. is really absurd. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, that that's what people saw when they heard suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. public high school but that's absolutely what they saw i'll never forget like they asked the question in a child development class like who went to a public or who went to a private school and i remember being one of the few people who raised my hand and said public and the students in the class looked at me with like their mouths open like <gasps> and it was like what i went to like such a good high school what the fuck are you guys like what <laughs> and again even if I did it, bitch, we all in the same class. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, whether or not I went to a public or pri- private Chicago city or suburb, affluent yeah, um, high school or le- under-resourced high school, doesn't matter. Are we are, or are we not in the same class? Yeah. That means that I was performing something somewhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah, though those they did not see it like that at SLU. It was just not the same experience. And yeah, those are them college kids for you. That is, that is the, yeah. And then um, I think I often think, because I grew up similarly, I guess, in the, the DC, well, as a, as a white woman, uh, but I grew up in the DC area, as a suburb in, in PG County, Maryland, which is one of the, the wealthiest black uh, counties, uh, majority black counties in the country. Um, and then went to a, a predominantly white high school um i did go to catholic school all my life how do you have so many black friends huh how do you have so many black friends where did you find them (laughs) this is a legitimate question maria's had black friends her entire life i want to know where she found them at you were at a white high school did you just find all the black kids in your high school so okay so my elementary school so i my mom taught at this school. Yes. You know what? Yes. This is where you found them. Yeah. So, so I, and my dad, um, we grew up in, um, right outside DC. Um, and, um, I don't, I'm, I'm like, try, I'm like pausing. Cause I don't want to get into my whole life story. Cause you know, I can talk. So I'm well, just, I basically told my whole business. I told my school, my suburb, keep going. Not, girl. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in college park, Maryland, um, not college park, Georgia. Um, and I, my elementary and middle school, um, was racially diverse, um, mostly probably middle class, but maybe some, some working class families as well. Um, maybe there was this one rich white kid, rest in peace. Um, but he, he died, but, um, 
he had he was so wealthy and I remember I would, he bragged about it. You'd like to know more about uh-huh. I mean, we can edit this out. Why is he dead? Uh he died from addiction. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. He said a rich white man and he I also, said I just knew it. Also likely or I think he did eventually come out. He was very flamboyant as well. But um, I knew he'd had some addictions. A rich white boy. Yeah. 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 I mean, he and he was an asshole, though. I mean, rest in peace. Rich is, but like, mm, he, okay, he can rest in peace, but let's talk about the truth. He was a piece of shit. He, he bragged. So he had this Tommy Hilfiger jacket and like he would brag on all. And like I grew up in a, a family of, of now six kids, but it was mostly five kids, all close in age. My parents were like Catholic school teachers who didn't get paid that much. And so we just had like people don't pay Catholic school or private school teachers enough. No, they they don't. So, um, but he would like go. He would just like make fun. I don't know. I just always felt like he he always was like literally looking down on us. Um, But then one recess, his coat, and I'm sure there was a lot. Obviously, wealth does not equate happiness. Let's just say that. Um, Right. Yeah, because that I saw that at my wealthy uh, white all girls Catholic high school um, in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is one of the wealthiest counties in the in the country. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? His his Tommy Hilfiger coat got a hole in it. It was it was like duck feathers or something down mm-hmm. feathers, and the feathers started flying out of the coat. It was a windy day at recess, mm-hmm. and everybody just like lost it but he was also an asshole and bragging about all of his designer stuff so then when stuff like that happens it's like well you well fuck you <laughs> i also don't i don't even know what we're talking about anymore okay okay not, so, I that, so i, I had mean, that I, was important but i don't even know where how how am i gonna reel this back in okay so, yeah so up? i had you know i had black classmates i had some like latinx classmates um some asian classmates like so there, there was it was more racially diverse than my high school, which was pretty much all white. Um, so it was like a shift for me. Um, and then I feel like I, I met some like, like there was still like some diversity, racial diversity in my high school. So I like kind of gravitated because I also there's just so much I could say, but what I'll say is just that like. <laughs> Being, I the fact that I grew up in College Park, which is not the hood either, um, like there was still this kind of connotation amongst like the wealthy white people who grew up in Catholic schools in Montgomery County that were predominantly white that like I was from the hood or I was from like a more dangerous place. Um, and like it just doesn't really make sense. But anyways, um, I was also on an all-black basketball team my junior and senior Ooh, yeah. year. See, I knew that that, was ha- that happened at some point in time. Yeah. And I was on an all-white fresh first-year freshman basketball team. So does that mean that you're good at basketball? I was actually not that good. I was like, you know what? Okay, on every... Were you there a diversity hire? I think I was a diversity hire. I'm not even, like... For real, on if you look at basketball teams, there's always like that one white kid that like everyone Wait, cheers for. Were you even tall, Maria? I was five, five, five four. I was, I, I'm five six, and that's the height I, I was. I've been. Um, my basketball isn't my family, so my dad played basketball, my brothers play basketball, um, 
but there were actually some white girls on the basketball team that quit um, the year that I was trying out. They were a year older than me because they weren't getting enough playing time. And word on the street is that there some white mothers were upset that their white daughters weren't getting. They probably were playing time. So, but so I benefited from that. Um, I wasn't that good. I mean, I was fine, but I was not. Our team was pretty competitive, um, and I was I was like fine. Um, I was more of like a cheerleader. Mm, that was like me when I played field hockey. <laughs> I can do some wild um cheers to my high school team because I sat on the bench a lot. I was really just there to be like I did four years of field hockey in col in high school on my college applications. And also for the exercise. Annually we did a lot of running, you yeah. know, endurance. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I also agree that I did field hockey in high school and you did basketball. You know, there are a lot of parallels here. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. So, but just to finish. So then I went to, so I went to St. Louis University as well. Um, went to SLU. Had not really been to the Midwest. And, um, but you're right. I often think about the city of St. Louis and how there's obviously racial segregation everywhere, including the D.C. area. Um, Let's but talk about the Del Mar divide. The Del Mar, I mean, just is so stark in St. Louis. And then there's an economic component. Um, yeah. That like, that you know, it's there's a racial divide, and then there's a very clear economic divide. Um, but, but it's so wild because they had. I mean, I used I did um, a nonprofit organization when I was out there, and it's like you think about the racial and the economic divide, but then you also realize like they have like a they have like a pretty substantial heroin and methamphetamine problem among among the poor white population. Yes, and it's just like yeah. There's a lot going on in this city and it's, and we're just kind of. And, and it's a smaller city, right? Compared to Chicago, obviously, or even DC. Like it's, so yeah. it's kind of like, at, at least for me, it was like, oh, there's more, I don't know. It's just smaller. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah I feel like you feel it. And so there's less also safe spaces I felt, um, and that, you know, like a lot of people said, you know, maybe it was difficult as like a transplant to the city and not knowing where the safe spaces are, but also, you know, like, you know, you talk about Chicago and how segregated it is, but I'm like, but I, I know exactly where I can and where I should not go. Mm-hmm. It's very clear to me. And maybe the people of St. Louis know where they can and cannot go. Um, I didn't figure that out in... I was there for five years and my brother had gone to wash you. So I've been going to St. Louis for at least 10 oh, years. Yeah. Um, for, I'd been in and out of that city for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, never figured out where, you know, just. And also I think that there are like, you know, like, yes, Chicago is segregated, but like it's not segregated. You know, of course there's economic segregation, but not as starkly obvious as the Del Mar divide in St. Louis. Yeah. You know, you have, um, you know, upper middle class black neighborhoods, you have, um, or you also have mixed income black neighborhoods mm-hmm. and the same goes for other type populations. Like, yeah, you know, if I, you know, if I tell people, well, this is where I work over here in Chicago, um, 
they're automatically going to know the population of the students, yes, mm-hmm. but you might not necessarily know the financial um, demographics of that population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's St. Louis. Yeah, what an interesting city. Um, yeah, and that's but the but the other component that you were mentioning about like these predominantly white students that also grew up in public private schools and that public private school dynamic. Um, I also, my roommate, so Facebook was like the social media mm, and yeah, I had a picture, trying, yep. yeah, I had a picture of me and a black friend. And so the come to find out that my white roommate who was from a wealthy suburb of Chicago and went to like a white, uh, Catholic, you know, private school out there, um, was the family was like guessing if like she was gonna have a black roommate and like oh my gosh like are you gonna sounds about white (laughs) and I was like that's really awkward um yeah I'll never forget my roommate um freshman year um who let me know that the that her school had so many few so few black people that they had to bust them in Oh my I was God. like one of the first conversation topics. Didn't go to school with any black people. They had to bust them in. Oh and then like wondered why I was uncomfortable being around her. Um, I'll the, never social, forget the social I, skills, right? I'll never forget her telling us that um, they had a black dog and she liked to sit in the front seat. So they called her Rosa Parks. What? I mean, there's a long list of the things that this girl said. And I'm not going to say her name, but let's just say that let's call her like, I don't know, Bean Muccinelli. Um, and Bean Muccinelli went to school in Wisconsin at a school with very few black people. And yeah, she said a bunch of things. It was very reminiscent of Kimberly from College Lives of Sex Girls, but even worse in the fact that Kimberly was like actively not racist, but still a white woman who still says things that are problematic and harbors like, you know, unchecked bias. This person, she was not actively not racist. She was, she probably didn't see color in her mind, yeah. but absolutely did. Yeah. And Bean Muccinelli. <laughs> yep. And actually, you know, while we're on the subject of Taylor Swift, she definitely played the victim. She was a shitty ass roommate. She was absolutely racist, 110% uncomfortable around in settings in which she was not, the, um, where they were you know there are not enough white people in the room mm-hmm. and then she turned around and said that i bullied her and oh. so believed her and so you know oh my white God. woman doing white woman shit yeah holy shit i wish i still had the voicemail that her boyfriend left me basically calling me all types of bitches and hoes what? yeah her boyfriend like called me and was like you bitch fuck you and he like i don't know if he threatened me what? i think he may have I remember my dad was pissed when he heard that shit. He was like, oh, I'll fuck them up. <laughs> I mean. It was, the whole thing was just ridiculous. And she ended up getting a campus restraining order on me. And I was like, but she was clearly, and I remember they were like, yeah, you can't tell people that you think she's racist. And I'm like, but don't you want to know like why I think she's racist? And they were like, no. So that's St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri, guys. Just just so you guys know. Um, I had a racist white roommate. And um, then she pulled the Taylor Swift card. And now she's somewhere, I think, in Ohio practicing veterinaries. So, I mean, I guess you can't be racist against dogs. I mean, Um, you probably can. I mean, you could if you you have a black dog and you call them Rosa Parks because they like to sit in this front seat. Um, (laughs) 
<sighs> oh, oh, Bean Muccinelli. And what you a know great what? woman. You know what's so fucked up about that? Is like college is really freaking expensive. <laughs> so expensive that you have right. I gotta deal with a racist ass bitch. And I how much do I pay to go to the school here? I'm still paying on that fucking loan. This yeah. is why you need to forgive my student loans. Because I had to room with a racist yes. piece of shit. Yeah. And you guys took her side. What yeah. the how the fuck could you ever think that I was gonna pay for this fucking college yeah. experience? Fuck yeah. you. Yeah, that that is a really good reason to forgive all black uh people's student loans. I guess I gotta go back to identifying as black, huh? I mean, just for that specific application. But you could also apply as a white woman and you might actually get approved. So. Honestly, I know how this works. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a lot more that can be said. There were also, okay, so SLU has a wonderful African-American studies program. Um, so just shout out to them. I think that would be. We don't have to give them their kudos. We could just let it go. <laughs> we could, they, there was a lot of racism involved there. And a lot of things that they slapped under the rug. Yeah. And they probably still have a lot of work to do. There might yeah. be nice things about them, but we ain't talking about that today. No. <laughs> No, no, no. And just, I guess, full disclosure, I do like some Taylor Swift songs. You don't have to like them. Fuck that bitch. I do, but, like, I liked T- Tim McGraw was her first single. I love that it? shit. It was actually country. It was, because she used to be country back in the day. Yes. I was fine with that. I loved Fearless. Um, actually, so my basketball team was pretty good. And I think before the championship game, or one of the big games, we were like on the bus and I was like singing it, but with my headphones in, but I was like belting the song and everyone was like, shut the fuck up, Brian. I was like, but I I'm feeling they were. it. I'm feeling I feeling it. they were. <laughs> um, and I liked, what else? I, I sing along to the Romeo Juliet thing. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's what it's called. The love story. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Um, and then that did be my jam. Yeah. And then I really, um, yeah, the VMAs, um, I that did have, I, maybe I was in my moment. I did like Kanye at the time. Yeah. I didn't hate him. I mean, I didn't he hate didn't, him. You know, vote for Trump and do all that nonsense. I don't even know yeah. if he did vote for Trump, whatever. He'd be yeah. on bullshit lately and I don't give a fuck about that man. Yeah. Um, but I'm serious. I did not like the Kardashians though. I've never liked their ass. Wait. Yeah. Okay, hang on. We said this is going to be 20 minutes. It's been 42. We're not even talking about what we were supposed to talk about, which was white womanhood and passive aggressiveness. Well, you gave some examples that fit right into that. Right? I did. I did. So we did kind of talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could come up with more. I know I've been a white passive aggressive woman before, so I just... And I can't quite think of examples, but. Um, I think the conclusion is don't be a Bean Muccinelli. Don't be a Taylor Swift. And check your bias. And yes. And, and just, you know, I hold there are some amazing white women who have like been down for the cause and like done amazing stuff. We don't have to give them their stars. Yeah, they don't need stars. We're not and they giving don't... their stars today. We're not giving them white women their stars today. No, no. and they—they're the kind that don't want the stars, need the stars because they, they know shouldn't. We're, we're shit, right? So, um, 
And we're just, yeah. So Taylor Swift, I just, she was late to the game. That's my. She was. She was a day late and a dollar short. And really, her saying that didn't make me believe any of her. Like, I didn't believe it for a fucking second. But I did say, all right, girl, I will I will start. Put your music back in rotation. Because I did yeah. stop listening to her for a little bit. Yeah. She was so quiet. Yeah. Yeah. She was quiet on a lot of things that matter. And what is that little quote? When you're silent on things that matter, I feel like I bet you know the rest of it. Because I don't. Um, Let me Google it. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah. Well, the silent. Yeah, I know what quote you're talking about. Um, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Wait, can you repeat it? Every white woman's favorite, Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, that was very white of me to make that quote. But um, yes, um, again, in case you were Maria and you didn't hear, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And that was Taylor Swift. That bitch was silent about things that matter. And she showed up a day late and a dollar short. And so whether or not she is or she isn't, she will or she won't, I don't give a shit. She needs to use her platform to be better. Yeah. Boom. Yes. And um, my final thought would just be that I need her to acknowledge all the ways she's been able to be the vulnerable damsel in distress in ways right. that black women in the industry are not. Because it's like everyone's like, oh, poor Taylor Swift and her whatever. And it's like, yes. all right, cool. But what about everybody else? Yes. That's my, that is my big thing. I just need, and maybe she's spoken on it. I don't know. It's just not loud enough if she has, but. I mean, maybe she has. I honestly, to be honest, I don't be knowing what Taylor Swift does with her time anymore. Yeah, but just, it, it's late and I, yeah. Um, so yeah, just acknowledging you're late to the party. So, you know, thanks for coming. I'm glad you came. I'm glad she started speaking out. Right. But, you know. All right. All right. Well, that's another White Woman Wednesday. With no wine, but feel free to drink wine along with us. Or not. Yes. All right. So I uh, thank you for listening to our White Woman Wednesday. We're not, no, sounds about white on White Woman Wednesday. And we will be back at some point in time in the future with yet another episode and another white woman. All right. Take care. Be well. Bye. Bye.